0: Hey, stop where you are, stop where you are, just stop right where you are, fold your hands. close your eyes, here we go, just stop where you are, and then we'll uh, talk a little while you get set. Here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us sinners. Amen. Hey, great to see you. Thanks so much. Uh, so, there's so much good stuff to talk about. So Friday night's Oktoberfest. You know the rules. The brats are homemade this year. How can you resist? Uh, there'll be a couple of guys who are microbrewers bringing stuff to sample. Bring a drink. Whatever you want to drink, bring that. Everything else is free, provided. It's a great, great opportunity to bring friends to St. John, people who are wary of church perhaps or you know, don't quite know what it might be like. So, uh, and there's child care provided, so you can bring. Val's got that all lined out. So on a Friday night, Oktoberfest, Saturday, Dr. Kleinig is here. So that's going to be fun on Saturday for a couple hours on the Holy Spirit. Um, so that'll, be, that'll just be really, really fun. Thanks for this morning. This morning was fantastic. Thanks to the bells. And the musicians, that was good. Um, If you put money in the basket, we'll give it to um, Christmas Sharing at West Chicago. So we'll do 100 or 150 families this year. Fred Gaty, uh, you know, good man that he is, is doing this at West Chicago. They don't have the means that you and I have, so we're going to support Fred. And it's primarily Spanish outreach, bit by bit. You know, Fred Gaty is, uh, is working his regular job, and then as a worker priest, he's working... <clears throat> with the parish to build up a, a Spanish-speaking ministry and bit by bit, you know, things are working and mercy and kindness go a long, long way toward you know, embodying the gospel. So if you put a little money in, we'll send that to Fred. And it's the basic stuff of Christmas sharing. You're actually giving people clothes to wear on Christmas. You're giving them food so that they can have dinner with their family. They're very poor. We're not. Um, let's do the best we can for folks. That's, that's a very, very nice thing. Um, okay, so drink beer on Friday night. Don't drink beer on Saturday morning. Drink beer and give a lot of money to Fred. Whether you drink beer or don't drink beer, Fred needs money. Did I get everything? Is that the entire? Yes, I did say that. You should discern the spirits, Mr. Crawford. That's exactly, exactly right. I'd expect that from a man who has some seminary training. Well done. Okay. Sign the attendance sheet, which I always forget to hand out. If the shites reminded me, I'd hand that out every week. Mark yourselves down two or three times. It's Chicago and it's going to be fun, okay? Everybody good? Life's good? You're good? Hey, you remember this? The shields are driving to church, or driving to school like last Tuesday. By the side of the road lies one of these with a big pink balloon that says, Get well soon. I'm like, slam the brakes on the car and get us a picture. The Yonkers went back, by then somebody had already scooped it up. It's a resurrection. okay? And here, I mean, this is, I I comment not on the road crew. I don't comment on, you know, people, you have this, right? But, I mean, what are you going to, I guess, you know, if I had my choice between picking it up and painting over it, I'd paint over. So there you go. Now, that's where we started, and that's you, okay? That's you, you know, this is the this, so we we got you know we sort of need to. It always takes us a little time to gather steam. Here we go. You know, I mean, the Lord would love to have good use of you, but you know, it's not about you. It's about the Lord. He wants to use you well, for goodness sakes. You know, it's not about you. It's about the baby Jesus and how much the baby Jesus loves you, right? And how much you love each other. But you know, we start with the notion that all that we have is a gift, and among the greatest gifts that Jesus gives us is the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we started with the proposition that everything Jesus ever did, Jesus did in the Spirit. And so for um, you too, what he wants for you is that everything you will ever do is done in the Spirit. That's where we started. And you remember then, we, we sort of build on past advice that you touch holy things, you don't touch evil things. Touch the holy, don't touch the evil. Your sins just aren't good for you. And the women's Bible class stumbled upon that at the end of Thessalonians. You know, we're not just making this stuff up. There it is in the Bible. At the end of Thessalonians, it says, you know, cling to the things that are good. Flee the things that are evil. Life is not that hard. And, you know, we—we we, in some sense, we create our own reality to be clinging to the things that Jesus gives us. The Spirit goes to work and amazing things happen among people, in families, in churches, in the world you know, in your own hearts, the good that you can do, um, you know, and to to do anything else, to touch evil, is to to run that backwards. And so, you know, this year, what we're going to spend our time is is, is talking a little bit about this shy, yet mysterious and energizing, the special verb in, in 1 Corinthians 12, where he says, he energizes you, which our Orthodox friends are very comfortable saying, but, you know, it didn't make it into the catechism, so it makes us nervous, but, you know, the catechism is the first thing, not the last thing, and so off we go. We need to talk about what those gifts looked like uh, and, and, and reflect on that and how that, you know, from Pentecost on, comes to us and the gifts that are given. That was sort of the first week. Um, in the second week, then, uh, I warned uh, just a bit um, about where we might start, and I gave you the text, um, you know, I, I started with saying, you know, when the Holy Spirit looks with us, what does he have to work with? Well, the answer is, by nature, not much. I mean, I love you, but you're rotten to the core, right? Crabby Appleton, Mr. Green Jeans, the guy who did some of the voices just died. You remember Mr. Green Jeans? Yeah, see, that's how old you are. I'm old too, okay? Uh, but, you know, I mean, Crabby uh, Appleton was rotten. He was rotten to the core. You should have watched more TV as a child. All the experts were wrong. It's all there, you know? It's all, it's all there. And so we started then with 1 Corinthians 2.14, natural man does not receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of course, what the church is all about is giving those gifts. Um, and so, you know, there you start with your family portrait. Um, take it home, pin it up on the wall. Uh, you know, there's your, that's you and all your friends. You know, you have your two first cousins there with you now. Um, if we could make ourselves better, we would, you know. Uh, So, it says if people are depressed, you don't say get better. If they could get better, they'd get better. When they're sick, you don't say get well. If they could get well, they would. You know, if they're dead, you, you know, the only thing that enlivens is the gift of God. And so the Holy Touch that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, the Lutheran thing, which I've often warned you about, which you're pretty savvy to by now, is that, you know, the forgiveness of sins is the first thing and not the last thing. The Catechism. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. The world opens up to you. It is a wonderful place. And it is meant to be lived in love and joy. And now, you know, in the gifts of the Spirit, or by the fruits of the Spirit. And we want to spend the way uh, the year um, talking about what that way looks like. Now, you know, just a, uh, a little bit of review. Um, the scriptures talk about you in so many different ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And soul and mind and strength. Or love the Lord God and your neighbors, yourself. Um, You know, sometimes it seems like it cuts you in two pieces. Sometimes it cuts you in three pieces. Sometimes it cuts you in four pieces. There's a Hebrew way of talking, um, which, you know, sort of always holds you as one human being. You're one blot. That's how the Lord has put you together. It's the Greeks who cut you in so many pieces. And yet, sometimes to talk about your different pieces makes it easier to see where you're going. You're a very sophisticated crowd, and you've learned a lot, and you spend a lot of time in church, and you go to the Eucharist, and you say your prayers, and you read your scriptures. The natural question then is, what does all this mean to me in my real life? We bumped into last week, I think, the point in the Confessions where it says, um, good works arise spontaneously, and that in fact is true. You will find yourself sometimes doing things um, that you couldn't believe you did or you don't even recognize that you did. But one ought not confuse that spontaneity um, with a sort of lack of reflection or um, evaluating the situation or, you know, as Jesus says in the Gospels, you know, you count nails before you build a, a building and you count noses before you have a fist fight. I mean, you, you, you know, there is some way that you go through life in a conscious way. And so the easiest way to talk about is, is to talk about, I mean, it's kind of Lutheran theologians have talked about it in this way, kind of the easiest way is to talk about an intellect that sees and a heart that chooses. And you were here last year, and we did a lot about when we talked about meditation and fasting and reading scripture and how that goes forward, you know, with your intellect you see. And it is true that the, that the, that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to your intellect. When you read scripture, when you say prayers, when you touch the Eucharist, when you remember your baptism, when you gather as the body of Christ, you see the world in a different way. It's not just a matter of new data. It's not just simply that data is given. You know, it's a bit of an Enlightenment mistake to think that the church is just all about thinking. It is, of course, about thinking, but not just about thinking. You see things in a new way that you never saw them before. That's a great gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to read your scripture and absorb that text, you know. But it's not just your seeing. It is, of course, also, and now, you know, a lot of things get put in at the point of the heart. It's also about choosing, if you want to talk like a Greek or a philosopher. Or it's also about loving, if you want to talk like a Hebrew or like Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and self and strength. And your neighbor is yourself. And so, you know, what we do, part of the reason we spend so much time is to understand ourselves. We are of ourselves. We are necros. We are dead. That's your family portrait. On the other hand, and I've given this to you and we probably won't get all the way through, but, you know, I give you a great quote from Norman Nagel. We are nothing but given to. You know, we live only by the gifts. You know, the, you know John Kleinig, we, 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 we never run by our own steam. There's ways that you can talk about this that you understand that you live by the gifts, but live by the gifts! You know they're not given for nothing. And so in the first week we talked a little bit about Pentecost as the great completion of Christmas and Easter. This is the faith, this is the church, this is who we are, this is what we're meant for, Christ's scripture prayer, the liturgy, the Eucharist, mercy, tithing, a winsome witness in the world. And you know with every touch of the divine things all those things are sharpened if you, if you, in you if you will only have it. And so the way the confession works, I'm telling you nothing new here. I'm just sort of bundling up things we've done for the last couple of years. With every confession, what is evil in us is tem- tamped down and broken to bits and sometimes turns to ash and blows away. Sometimes it remains chronic, you know this. But with every touch of the divine, with every touch of grace, with every forgiveness, we are, as Scripture says, a new creation. Galatians 2.20, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? Let him out. Let him out. You know? Here we go. And the possibility, if you can ever um, be in a church where that happens, it's a remarkable thing. So I'm about halfway through the second one. I'm probably around somewhere about .4 on the second outline, okay? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I mean, you look at the person to your right and your left. I mean, uh, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And then it, at point five, you know, the great Kleining dictum, we never run by our own steam. But also Jesus, John fifteen five, without me you can do nothing. Please take Jesus at his word. Without me you can do nothing. With him, of course, remarkable things can happen. It's a remarkable thing. Um... We have some friends visiting and, uh, you know, we're talking about this. And, you know, I've said this to you before, um, you know, of the, they sort of ask about you. And I say, you know, my life for the last two or three years has been bliss, you know, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. And I, you know, I said to over dinner, um, I'm in the church I always wanted to be in. That's a remarkable thing to say, right? And we're in the church we always wanted to be in. So um, what does that mean? We need to spin that out. Okay. Um, It can be difficult uh, sometimes. That was point six, and we talked about this. Um, Life is a fist fight. You get the short version at the bottom of the page. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So things start to stack up, pro and con, or this versus that. Flesh and spirit, sin and grace. You know, old man and new man. Old Adam and new man bound and free. There's several ways that scripture talks about this, but I know that you uh, like I do sometimes have your frustrations with how your how your life goes through and where you might do better. The great thing of course is that Jesus gives us the resources for that each time we come, and that of course is the reason we always start with, you know, the sign of the cross remembering our baptism and immediately confess that so that it can be gone, you know, so that it can be gone and we can be free. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. Actually, on an early edition, I had a typo. I had 527. It's 517. So mark that if you have a 2 there. Galatians 5:17. Now just flip the page, and you'll get a bit more of the um, heavy-duty stuff, okay? But I'll pause for a second. So everything I've said is just sort of, well, you know, Chuck was here last week, um, you know, we've sort of been up and down. I just want to sort of gather, this always happens, we, we gather a little steam when we get started in the fall, it takes us a couple of weeks, and then suddenly, you know, boom, off we go. But everybody okay with where we are? Questions about anything? Everybody's good? All right, here we go. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Ah, that's miserable, isn't it? I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. Hey, the Spirit's told me. I see it and even love it. I delight in it, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin which dwells in my members. This is the great um, Luther insight, you know, that we are simul justus peccator we are always saint and sinner, and always, all, all the time. Remarkable stuff. So Jesus, given to you by the Spirit, through the means of grace, with his words and with his divine touch, with his name and with his forgiveness, um, and yet, you know, his cross stands against um, the way of the world, and the way of the world which we talk about in so many different ways as our old Adam, as our sin, as original sin. Um, you know, it leaves your life being a fist fight. Which, if you take leave of the strength of Christ and His Spirit, will make your life miserable. You know, that fist fight. You know, if you if you if you take leave of the holy things that touch you. Uh, that just, that will grind you down and eventually, you know, lead you to despair. The only way through, I was, I was a little nervous about Job right at the point before the Eucharist today. We didn't get any gospel for poor old Job. We needed something about the resurrection of the flesh and seeing him again, you know. But the, that, that, um, that little antiphon that was sung today about how the devil ground him down, you know, the recourse to that is the touch of Christ. The recourse is what we delighted. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me, passive verb, pick me up and carry me out, come get me, take me places I couldn't go myself, redeem me, be my substitute, all the ways you know, atone for me, all the ways that you know that scripture speaks about Jesus. Who will deliver me, passive verb, from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I, and this is terribly important, of myself. I, of myself. You never forget the part of what happens in confession is that you always remember who you are of yourself. Your portrait lies before you on the table. I, of myself, you know, would get well soon, but I can't. I, of myself, serve the law of God with my mind. But with my um, flesh, I serve the law of sin. So of myself, (coughs) damn sinner. um, Of myself, uh, of my mind, given to by the Holy Spirit, blessed with... You remember we talked about how the Holy Spirit moves in and rearranges your furniture. Remember we talked about that? Connects your dots. Blesses you in ways you can't imagine. Um, You know, of myself, you know, that doesn't happen. Of the Spirit to me, to you, um, is a remarkable thing. You remember, uh, this, this, is, this is all things you know, but it, you need all this. The first couple of weeks are always reminding you what you know so we can go to the next thing that maybe you don't know. But you remember that it all, grace always takes an object. And so that's why touch is such a helpful way to talk about the gospel. You know, Because touch, you can see it, you can understand it. Touch is a remarkable thing. It's why the Eucharist is the center of life, and because that is the divine touch. It can't be disputed. It's either a touch or it's not. And when it's given holy from outside as a gift, it's the most gracious possible thing. And that touch, the way you would take medicine, and you know you heard that in the early church, the antidote, the medicine of mortality, the antidote to death. St. Paul, First Corinthians ten and eleven, it's a medicine that's given by prescription you know, to you because of who you are, you know, this divine thing that makes you a new person um, and gives you the wherewithal to battle against all things sinful, and as you know, in any fight, it's easier when you're all together. Count noses, and then you go. Count nails, and then you build. That's just simple Jesus stuff. Okay, still good? Everybody's okay? We've been here before, but I just want to try to put the pieces together for you. Everybody's good. All right. So seven, we sin, we repent, we are forgiven. We pick ourselves up and we go on. We grow stronger, but we of ourselves do none of this good. All good is a gracious gift of the Holy Spirit. And so a little bit from the Confessions here just to um, gloss the text. This repentance continues in Christians until death. And you remember the very first day I gave you the Luther quote where it says, we're only halfway holy. This is a remarkable quote that Lutherans kind of stumble over sometimes. You know, of course you know that you know, you're forgiven and when the Lord looks at you, he sees you as holy. But then Luther, when he talks about living forgiven, and it's terribly important to know whether you're talking about justification, which is being forgiven, or um, sanctification, which is living forgiven. So much of what we're talking about here is sanctification. You know, We're only halfway there, and it continues on. And we saw Luther talk about the process by which that happens. So this repentance continues in Christians until death. And it contends, and now it's the repentance that contends. And you have to understand that it's not your repentance. It's the repentance given to you in your own life somewhere there's been a John the Baptizer who said, you know, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And sometimes people can hear that as, um, you know, but the problem with only hearing it as, is that you can't repent. There's no reason for you to flee to somebody who's merciless. They'll just kill you as soon as you get close, right? So in repentance comes, with repentance comes This promise that God loves you, that he wants you home, that this is the way to Eden, that you can be baptized, that the Eucharist is next, that your life together flourishes, right? All of that is part of repentance drawn out of your baptism and pulling you toward the Eucharist. This repentance continues in Christians until death. For it contends, and that's that's what we're going to work with this whole year. We're going to work with what this contending looks like. For it contends with the sin remaining in the flesh throughout life as St. Paul says in Romans 7, 23, that he wars with the law of his members and that he does so not by his own powers, there it is, but through the gift of the Holy Spirit, sorry, I missed the eye, which follows upon the forgiveness of sins, right? So that's a bundle of stuff that you get. You get the forgiveness of sins, you get baptism, you get the Holy Spirit, you get repentance, you get new life, you get to be a child of God. This gift, now look at this, and this is both parts of it, purifies us. So, I mean, you are purified, you're considered holy. This purifies us and then daily sweeps out the remaining sin and operates to make men truly pure and holy. You remember Luther's great quote, you know, about, he said, you know, um, you know, in the catechism it tells you to start every day with murder. You know, you, you, have, you wake up in the morning, you know, if you feel, if you feel um, a bit too good, then, you know, the law levels you. And if you feel a bit too bad, then the gospel um, br- uh, bring, brings you to, to memory of who you are. But um, you remember Luther said, you know, at your baptism, the old Adam is drowned. But he's a, but he's a good swimmer. Right, He comes back to see you. So a daily sweeps out, and you know, they try to give you these metaphors where you can think about your own life. So what are your devotions like? Your devotions are like a woman who sweeps house. That's what it's like. Um, your devotions are like you know where demons are swept out. You know, Jesus talks about how they're set out. Look for another, they've got to look for another place to live. These words say nothing at all about our will, nor do they say that in the regenerated, the will can do something of itself. Now, this is the stumbling point. The great, you know, one of the great, and I'll just tell you, this is one of the great criticisms of Lutherans from people who are not Lutheran. I've spent more time, you know, especially studying, but kind of professionally with people who, with Christians who are not Lutheran than are Lutheran. And the great, the great, what you, the reason you all make them nervous is that they know that you're extraordinarily good on forgiveness. This happens every time I lecture at the college. They think you're, they they know you're extraordinarily good at forgiveness, but they're suspicious about whether or not you're good at anything else. Right? (laughs) And the reason for that is because sometimes the of itself is, 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 is spoken of as if I'm forgiven and I can do whatever I want. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, if you're baptized into Christ, if you're in the church, you know, if you're drawn to a new life, if you have a new spirit, if you're a new creation, if the old has passed away and the new has come, if it's really not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, of itself is the first thing you say, but not the last thing. Your entire life is given to thinking about how can we do well for Fred at Christmas sharing? Fred's our guy. He's our guy. He's been our guy for 30 years. Now he's a worker-priest, and he's surrounded by poor people who don't know anything about the gospel, and they love him to death. Our life is, how can we help Fred? How can we help those people? That's our life. You know? And the hundred other things that are right behind that. On the contrary, they ascribe everything to the gift of the Holy Spirit. So do we. We ascribe everything to the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's not static. He's a person. He's alive with a personality, with gifts in you, right? Busy, who purifies and daily makes man, there you go, more pious and more holy. So you get better, but you don't get better. It's just third artic- or, um, um, small catechism, you know, third, third, third article stuff. I believe that I can't believe. I believe that I can't believe. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified, kept me in the true faith, okay? On the contrary, they ascribe everything to the gift of the Holy Spirit who purifies and daily makes man more pious to the complete exclusion of our own powers. Okay? Still good? Turn your page. Although the regenerate, even in this life, advance so far that they will what is good, choose God. The will chooses. And love it, love God, the heart chooses. And do good, and grow in good. Nevertheless, as stated above, it's not of our vulnerability, but the Holy Ghost, as Paul himself speaks concerning this, works such willing and doing. Okay, here's the deal. The church always fights the fights that it fights. You know? So, I mean, an interesting place, for example, is... um, in the Western Church, we have, you know, mountains of books written about the Eucharist because the Eucharist was disputed. But in the East, if you talk to Orthodox folks, they shrug a lot. You know, they say wonderful gospel things about, but they, don't, they haven't worked out the details the way we have because they never needed to. It's why when you go to the creed today and you have a big, fat piece on who Jesus is, because that's what people were fighting about. It's as long as the other two pieces put together. That was the trouble in the first couple of centuries of the church until it got sorted out, you know? So we talk about the things that we need to talk about, and the rest we sort of rejoice in. The thing for us, I mean, and it's different. This conversation is different with you than it was five or ten years ago because um, we're in a different place. So you, this is not... uh, I don't need to use the text to convince you that this is what you ought to do, that this is valuable. We're at a much better place than that. I'm at a place where I can say with you as your pastor, wow, what's the next great thing we can do? Here's a remarkable bunch of things that you're doing. Now, how can the Lord use us best? You know, We talked a whole year about what best means in the scripture. You remember this? In Philippians, it talks about best as being... Um, Really mature in Christ, and it talks about being in orbit around Him. It talks about selfless love and utter obedience. Those are the three things maturity, obedience, and this is, remember, we did this from Philippians. Maturity, obedience, right? You remember this? And selfless love. The great thing about where we are right now is we have the opportunity for you all to say, not, will we do this, yes or no? We have the opportunity, and you have the opportunity, and you have the opportunity to do this for years. You have the opportunity for this as long as you can stand it, as long as you can hold the gift and not ruin it. You have the opportunity to say, wow, what is it that we can do, especially for others, as we focus out? What is it that Christ has put into our hands? And you have to be quite reflective, and we've done this, but you have tremendous resources. You know, you have tremendous resources of mind. You're terribly intelligent people. You know, of body, you you make a lot of money compared to the rest of the world, compared to just driving through Chicago last night. You, You we what we have is remarkable. You know? And you've been given the great gift of faith. You know, the text, the sermon this morning. You've got enough. You know, off you go. You uproot some trees or something more important perhaps. Nelson is a clever boy, isn't he? So, you know, off you go. That's what this is about. So this is a completely different conversation than we've had five or ten years ago, which is a remarkable thing to say about a parish, to be able to say, wow, this is about where all of you can be best used. I mean, you've died and gone to heaven when you're in a parish like this. But, you know, hold the gift. It's a great gift, you know, and it can be ruined and it can be lost. Just don't ruin it, don't lose it. Don't break your toys on the first day after Christmas. Slide the batteries in and read the directions. How many of you are direction readers? Yeah, so am I. Like at the beginning. Like, you know, I would read the directions, and then about 5 p.m., I'd slip the batteries in. You know, I mean, I know there's some of you who are, none of my kids are direction readers. Why? Because of the Internet. That's right. Because you don't read it. There are no directions anymore. There are just things you find. Okay, but I digress, all right? You still good? Okay, so off we go. Number eight, it's a miracle. I mean, you really have to see the people around you as a miracle. I mean, that Jesus would choose us. A, this is a blasted miracle. Really, it is. Hey, there's two adults being baptized at the late service. Talk about a miracle that anybody 24 years old would come and, you know, jump in the font with Pastor Nelson. Think about it. That is a remarkable stuff when, when kids come to be baptized at 23 and 24 and their whole families come and It's great. It's a miracle by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. Yes, you want what is good. It's not natural. It's miraculous. <laughs> when we've been converted, okay, changed, you know, this goes with metanoia, with repentance, turned, and thus enlightened, right, <laughs> illumined, enlightened, and his will is renewed. You choose the right things. It is then that man wills what is good so far as a regenerate man. And everything i said to you so far in the first 35 minutes is just that sentence. You will what is good as a regenerate person. You are who you were made to be in baptism. Right? And this is great. And delights in the law of God. And so, so often I've talked to you about whether, you know, um, the ten words you know, whether you hear those are law or gospel. I mean, the answer is, well, it depends how the Holy Spirit needs to use them in your life. But I really have to say to you, some of the best news ever spoken in human history is when the Lord comes to people in Israel who've been enslaved for hundreds of years, who are considered to be nothing, not even human, considered to be property. They have no gods. They have no king. They have no land. And he says, ah, You're dead, I'll make you alive. I'll love you. You'll come be mine. We'll go far, far away from this place. I'll be your God. You can talk to me whenever you need me. I'll give you my name. Come here every Sabbath I will serve you. When you go home from the Sabbath, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Be faithful to your wife, love your kids, and be happy with what I've got. This is going to be great. Isn't this going to be great? I mean, it's a remarkable thing given in the Ten Commandments, you know, And when we are on the far side of being forgiven and have those things as a gift, it really is the life um, that's meant for you. And it's the life that you'll someday enjoy in Eden. Uh, it's, it's, It's great stuff. So from now till then, you know, here we go, here we go. You delight in the law of God after the inward man and henceforth does good to such an extent and as long as he is, this is a great word, impelled, by God's Spirit, impelled, propelled, those sorts of words, which is, you know, off you go, boom, push forward. For as many as are led, so isn't that interesting, you have both this notion of impelled, which has the, for us at least the sense of being pushed, and then led has the sense of being pulled, you know, so in a sense you're surrounded in everything that God does to bump and nudge you toward Eden, here we go, on the way home, you know, they are sons of God, which is the nicest thing you can say to a person. There is no nicer thing that you can say to a human being that you're, you're a son of God. That's, that's the best possible thing. And this impulse, there's another very powerful sort of words We talk about an impulse or a burst, you know. This impulse of the Holy Ghost is not a coercion. There's nothing done by force. But the converted man does good, and there it is, spontaneously as David says. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day that you lead your host. Which is, this is all we're trying to do. I mean, there's 19 different ways we're saying this. But just so you kind of keep it clear as we go forward, what can we do freely? Not because, you know, I or somebody else is going to beat you into it. No, nothing works by force. Nothing gospel, no gospel thing works by force. Nothing good happens by force. But these very nice words, impelled, led, um, you know, impulse, um, that's the way, freely, you know, those are the ways of the sons of God. Yes, my friend. A choice for what? (laughs) Yes, you have the choice to do good. Once you are a new creation. So you have a new will, right? So when you're just Savitsky and you walked in this morning, you're really a horrible man. Okay? You got no... Before your your baptism, you you just got... You got one option, and that's to die for a good long time. Stand dead is your option. But to be a new creature have a new will. I mean, we struggle in how to talk about this. I mean, how are we going to talk about this, that the, the, the divine in person inhabits you? Tell your wife. She should appreciate that in you. Okay? you know, go home and tell her. Tell her I said, no, don't tell her I said to say it. Tell her that the guy sitting next to you, Handler, said to say it. Okay. She should be a little more, as a vessel of the Holy Spirit, she should be a little more appreciative. Just call me on Tuesday and let me know how that works out for you, okay? No. <laughs> Give the Lord a chance to work, young man. So, I mean, how is he going to talk about this? When he talks about a new will or a new way or a new heart or a new mind or a new intellect, how are you going to talk about this? Well, he gives you another possibility and he enlivens you to be able to do it. It's a resurrection. If you stick with the scripture, in the, I mean, stick with the cleanest ways that scriptures talk. That's why I gave you the get well soon thing. If you were dead and now you are alive, Really, 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 there's new possibilities. The world is open before you. Not because you resurrected yourself, but because you have been, passive verb, resurrected. So you do have two choices now. And that's what Paul, you know, Paul says, now I've got two. I used to have one, now I've got two. My life's a conflict, but it's a holy conflict, right? And the Holy Spirit is on your side. And Jesus is cleaning up whatever mess you make. And the Father wants you home. And the only person that can ruin this is... So the last thing that I've written here, which is when things go... I mean, this is the very last point if you haven't paged ahead. I mean, what I said is, you know, if anything goes right, it's God's fault. And if anything goes wrong, it's my fault. And in a nutshell, that's what life is. When it's gone wrong, it's because I've ruined it. And when it's gone right, it's because God has given it as a gift. And that then always keeps you From um, the sin of pride. If it goes right, it's God's fault. If it's a blessing, it's God's fault. God's gift, of course. I just did it because the words worked well. But you know, right? If you want to blame somebody for the good, blame them. And if not, now see when Kleinig raises his hand in your Bible study, this is when a man should fear. (laughs) Yes, friend. Right. And you can only do it as long as you are in the light. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 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 when you're in the dark, uh, you can't choose to see or not to see, even if you have to give the gift of sight. Thank you, because you have to have both those things going, don't you? You have to have both ability and also light. And the being the right place. Yes, right. Because Good. The place. And the is we always separate those right. That's we very helpful. That's right. <clears throat> very quickly, because we got two adults who need to get to the water. Building on this. Yes. Darren said this is a joke, but it's very theological. I go to switch on the light at the wall switch, and she said, You sighted people are so dependent on the light. <laughs> <laughs> we Christians are so dependent on the light. That's right. There's nothing else really. And even if we sort of puff ourselves up and say this is life, it's not really life right, for us. Yeah. Um, I really do have to stop because I, be, I have to be downstairs. This is going to be a fun service. Um, I'm not going to do a lot with the rest. I gave you some quotes for, from the confessions just so you know that this was solid stuff from the home office, okay? So if you can take, uh, if you can take a little bit of time with 9 and 10 kind of read through it. It says the same thing in different ways. And then we will pick up... Um, Let me just push you to 11 to sum up. The Holy Spirit works conversion and renewal. So you have both of those things going on, right? Toward this work, the will of the person who is to be converted does nothing, but only lets God work in him until he is converted. Then he cooperates with the Holy Spirit in subsequent good works with the Holy Spirit. So you see that ability plus light, that's such a helpful way to talk. By doing that which is pleasing to God in the manner and the degree set forth in detail above. So you don't make it up as you go on along. The Lord is already, the Lord knows the way, you know? So the last thing, anything bad is my fault, anything good is God's fault. Okay? So if you picked up the outline for number 3, you're ahead for next week. Um, come here Dr. Kleinig on Saturday from 9 to 11. It'll be on the Holy Spirit. Child care <clears throat> is provided. I'm sure we'll have something for you to eat and drink. That's just what we do here. And um, Life will be fantastic, okay? But we're just about off to the races because there's so many very specific things now that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You know, we want, to, we want to wake up to those things and rejoice in them and then put them to good use. I mean, you've got, you know, things you don't even know you've got. So we're going to spend some time thinking about that, okay? Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.